Welcome to North Boston Korean United Methodist Church. Here, we are a family that seeks to love others the way Jesus loves us and raise people up in His love. We are grateful to have you listen in. Regardless of who you are, you are always welcome here. For more information, check out our website at mbkumc.com. I'll open us up in a word of prayer. God, we thank you for this time that you've given us to worship you. We thank you, Lord, that you allow us to, um, you give us resources to work through difficult situations together. Um, Lord, we pray that uh, for anyone um, who's listening to this word, Father, Lord, we pray that you would speak directly to them, God, that you would hide them, hide me behind your cross, um, that only you would be magnified and glorified. So Jesus, uh, just move in us, work in us. Take us to the next level with you. Help us to worship as one body wherever we are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so we're going through a sermon series. We've been going through a sermon series on um, I Am and the names of Jesus through the Gospel of John. And obviously because of COVID, um, we have to do, we have to continue the sermon like this. But um, yeah, we're just working with what we have. So... Listen it, listen in carefully. I'm going to cut out most of my illustrations so that we can get to the juice of what's going on here. Um, so today we're reading from, uh, last week we talked about the bread of life, but today we're reading from John chapter 8, verse, I'm just going to read three verses from John chapter 8, and then we're going to skip to John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. So we're going to read John chapter 8, verses 56 through 58, and then we're going to read John chapter 9, verse 7. I'm reading from the ESV. Y'all already know this. If you're reading from the NIV or whatever you're reading from, that's fine. This is the word of the Lord. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That's verse 50. We're going to skip to John 9. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things... He spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So last week we talked about the bread of life. And this week we are talking about how Jesus is I am. It's interesting because normally it's I am something. But today it's just I am. The context, I want to give you guys, I highly recommend, I always do this, I highly recommend that you read John chapter 8 on your own first, okay, on your own, um, but I'm not, I didn't read it with us all together here, um, but the context of this passage is that Jesus is being attacked by his opponents, but specifically what's being attacked about Jesus is his character. Jesus's character is being attacked by his opponents, and Um, at this time, 
Jesus is facing the challenge um, of fighting, uh, not fighting, but arguing against um, defending his character and also challenging the character of his opponents. Um, that turning the table, flipping the table thing is a, is a rhetoric, um, a theme of rhetoric, a stream of rhetoric that is very prevalent and present in the Greco-Roman time. Um, so in the passage that we had read, the Jews were basically saying to him already, you are of your father, the devil. Because Jesus keeps talking about how he is the son and he is a father. And he and the Jews are saying, your father is the devil. Because Jesus says so many crazy things that uh, overthrows the laws that they have in their eyes. Because they're not able to see that Jesus is son of God. And so they start challenging his father. They challenge his sonship by saying that he is a son of the devil. And he keeps saying, and he keeps defending himself. And he says earlier on, he says, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And that is a crazy thing that Jesus says in this passage, that they will never see death that almost sounds like prosperity gospel. What comes to mind for me is, you know, if you believe in God, you'll have everything you want in the world. And it sounds like Jesus is saying here, it, it, can, it can be interpreted that Jesus is saying, if you believe in me, you'll never die. And they flip out. Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. And yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father, Abraham, who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? And so they attack him. They attack him and they say, ah, now we've got you. You've challenged our father. We know he's the real guy. Um, and Jesus here shows, here he shows the closeness he has with his father, as opposed to their closeness with their father, Abraham. But then he takes it a step further. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. He talks about Abraham as though he heard Abraham say that himself. And you see that Jesus shows closeness, not just with his father, but with theirs. At that point, they say, you've seen Abraham, you're not yet 50 years old. The number 50 years in, in years is very important for rulers. At the time, it, it's, it was seen that you are only fit to be a ruler at the, at the right, like you would ripen as a ruler and the perfect age would be 50. Now, Jesus at the time, he was in his 30s, his early 30s. And they saw that they, they're basically saying, you're not yet ripe. You're being fresh right now. You've heard that term. You're being fresh right now. You are not yet 50 years old. And yet, have you seen Abraham? Because Abraham, you know, he existed like long, long ago. And um, almost a thousand years before this moment. Um, and so, no, more than a thousand years. About a thousand, two hundred years before this moment. And so, they're taunting him here. Um, you fresh blood how would you know what our father abraham is saying twelve thousand years ago and then it comes and then jesus says before abraham was i am now we're going to unpack this a little bit for a second okay this first comes from 
Um, the language of before Abraham was I am. The language of the word I am is most similar to Isaiah 43, 11, when it says, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. So the first reference we see here is in Isaiah when Jesus says, there is no Savior other than me. And that in itself is wild that he's referencing Isaiah to talk about himself in relation to Abraham. But you see, if Jesus was trying to say that he existed at the time of Abraham, he could have just talked about himself in the past tense. Yet, Jesus here talks about himself in the present tense. He could have said, I was before, I, I was in the world before Abraham was in the world. Before Abraham was born, I was already in the world. But he says, before Abraham was, I am. The word was, to be, Amy, is a state of being. It is a being word, an identity word. Before Abraham was, I am. Think about how crazy that is. That is a reference to identity. That is a reference to existence. Christ is not just trying to say that he existed before Abraham. This is not just pre-existence. The use of present tense is clearly a reference for the divine name, which comes in Exodus 3. When God refers to himself, I am that I am. And that is a profound reference to the fact that God existed and he exists and will exist transcending, I know this is kind of crazy to wrap your mind around, but transcending the world. He's saying, Jesus is saying, I, I transcend the world. I exist with God, the God of Exodus, the God of Moses, the God of Genesis, the God of Abraham. I am creator and this transcendent God is what Jesus is referring to himself as. So obviously they come to kill for him. They, they, come, they come for him to kill him and he hides. And then on his way out is when we see chapter nine. He does something else incredible. It is then that Christ shows the significance of what his words truly mean. The first thing that happens here, he paused, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? See, in the Jewish culture, in the Jewish context, if you were sick, if you were ill, if you were paralyzed, if you were paraplegic, that was because you were bad. Oh, it must be that this man has done something wrong for him to be in this state of pain. For him to lose his sight. What could his parents have possibly done? That's a thousand year understanding of sickness. As a wrath, as a moment of wrath from God. That somehow people deserve to be blind. To be paralyzed. Or to be leprous. And that's why the sick people were at the lowest part of the strata. It wasn't just because of socioeconomic things. It was also the, con the connotation of illness and the relation that it had with sin. Now, Christ here does something crazy. He breaks a thousand year understanding. He says, it is not because this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God may be displayed in him. So in a situation, in a world, in a society where everyone's like, oh, this man is sick because he's done something wrong. Jesus is like, no, this man is sick so that God might be glorified. And he turns this moment of wrath and unforgiveness of God into witness. 
It breaks here the understanding that people had that when you were sick, you were being punished, which is already mind blowing. But then what he does next is even crazier. He takes mud on it, like he picks up, like there's dirt outside right now. Y'all are not here, you cannot see it. I'm looking at it right now. He picks up dirt, he spits at it, right? He makes himself nice little, two little patties and he puts it over the man's eyes. And he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And the man comes back seeing. Now, what is the significance of that? What is the significance of the fact that this is happening? It's because mud is recreation here. I'm gonna I'm gonna break that down for you. Jesus is so he's spoken about in 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 John chapter four. He's spoken about how he has living water. He has living water. Um, and 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 whoever whoever drinks of this will never thirst again. And he's spoken about being the bread of life, the water of life. And the, this connotation of making mud is very important. Even in the Greco-Roman time, it was very important. It was very important, and it had to do with Jewish and Greco-Roman literature. Right, and and in, in that literature and in this context, and even in scripture, the connotation of clay and mud is, is created. Um, it's... It's this idea of being the potter and the clay. When there was mud, something was being made. And Jesus uses his own spit. <laughs> There's, it's, it's kind of funny if you really think about it, right? He uses his own spit to make two patties. And he puts it over the man's eyes in order to heal him. But this idea of him creating with his mouth to heal the man is recreation. It's a reference to Jesus being I am. That when he heals people, he is not making sick people well, but he is, make, he is restoring what he had started making in people and he is making them whole and full. He's giving them new life because he was the one to create them to begin with. There's a really interesting pat, um, um, quote from Irenaeus, and it says, For that which the artificer, the word, had omitted to form in the womb, he then supplied in public so that the works of God might be manifested in him in order that we might not be seeking out another hand by which man was fashioned, nor another father. What this is saying is like, for whatever Jesus had omitted to form in the womb, he supplied in public so that the works of God might be manifested so that we might not seek out another God. What Jesus had started in the womb, he finished in public so that everyone would know there is one God. That is another reference to Isaiah 43. I, I am the Lord and besides me, there is no savior. But we can take it a step further. Besides me, there is no recreator, no redeemer. What Jesus is doing in this moment of healing is that he's not just healing a stranger that passes by him. Jesus, the man who made the blind man, is now perfecting the creation that he started to make in order to make all things new. And it's this completion of the natural in healing. It's this beyond, it's, it's a... It's a restoration to perfection and a reconciliation of the, of the blueprint that Christ had started. He is completing what he began. 
But yet, you would think that that is where the man gets healed. That's not where he gets healed. He actually gets anointed with the mud and Jesus says, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. He is then sent out. And it is only then that he becomes healed. And we see here that it's not just even in Jesus's recreation and reconciliation and restoring, but it's also in our witness in being sent out that his creation in us is being perfected. So what can we take away from this? The first thing we can take away is I am. What does it mean that Jesus transcends creation? What does it mean for you in, in your life right now? Everything you're looking at is being compromised by this sickness. What does it mean for you in your places, with your families, wherever you are right now, that Jesus is the Lord of your life? What does it mean that God transcends the world? That before you were, he is. What does it mean that Jesus is a recreator in his healing? We think that we, you know, we seek out healing from God. We go, God, please heal me. Whether that be internally or externally. I know when I have a stomach ache, all I do is pray because Pepto-Bismol does not hit the right places. And I just need to pray. Like, God, please take this pain away from my stomach. Right. But what does it mean that Jesus as healer is actually restoring what he had started? It is not a momentous thing, healing. Jesus made you and he's completing what he began. So as you're looking around and the whole world is being plagued, where do you stand in healing? Where do you stand in restoration? Where do you stand in wholeness? Where do you stand in all of these things? Is it momentous for you? Is it just a matter of medicine, an IV drip, maybe being in the hospital for two weeks if you got coronavirus? Where? Does, where can you apply in your lives right now the fact that Christ and his healing is reconciling the blueprint he has already started? That he was the one to fashion you out of clay, out of mud. He is the one to have made you and he is making you whole and making all things new in you. In Ezekiel 36, it says this. It talks about this new heart, this new spirit, and it says this. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Christ is restoring what sin broke in forgiveness, in healing, in restoration and reconciliation. What sin broke AKA the world we live in right now. What sin broke, Christ is making all things new. He's taking out that heart of stone, that heart of deadness. Ephesians 2 says you are dead in your transgressions. Your deadness and he puts in you a heart of flesh. He's making all things new. You thought healing was sick being made well, but sick 
being made well is not enough to explain what Christ is doing as recreator. He is not just making sick people well. He is making dead people alive. He's making enemies reconciled. He is making all things new. Bodily healing is only a small fraction of what Christ is doing and he's making new, but that's not where it ends. The biggest application we can take away is that our healing, our recreation, our reconciliation, restoration to our design is completed in our being sent out. So yes, we believe in a God that reigns supreme over the situation. We believe in a God that reigns supreme over the coronavirus in whom we trust. Yes, we believe in a God that is recreator. He is making all things new. It's a sign of hope. And it's also a sign of how faithful God has been. It's a sign of how everlasting God is. That he was there in the beginning and he is still with us now. But that's not it. That's not all. How are you witnessing and completing what God has started in you? And, being, and, and participating in the completion that God has made in you? Are you still walking around with the, with, the, with the patties of clay still on your eyelids? Or have you been sent out? Are you still almost there but not yet? Or are you living out your witness? It is in our witness that Christ's blueprint is fulfilled. Church, I want to challenge you to trust that God is sovereign over this situation, to not fear anything other than God, to understand God is our healer, but not just our healer. He is our recreator, that he is in full control over every situation, every relationship in your life right now, and that his healing transcends the body, it transcends the spirit, and transcends time. He is capable of doing miracles because he's creator but not just that i want to challenge us to be a body of christ that can witness to into this situation right now all around us fear runs rampant at a at a, at an illness that we cannot see how will you witness how will you complete god's creation in you well you're not completing it we are participating in god's completion but how will you participate Are you still walking around with mud on your eyes? Or are you really sent? Let's pray. God, we pray that uh, you would guide us to be able to understand you more fully. We ask that your grace would cover us. Father, Lord, that we would be a body of believers that is comforted, that is encouraged in this message to know that you are truly God over all that you are not just healer, that you are not just the restorer, but that you are the recreator, that this was yours to begin with, that you existed previously, that you exist into now, God, that you have been here and that you are here to stay and that everything is in your control. I pray, Father Lord, that that would encourage your people, but not just that, Lord, that we would be challenged to go forth in boldness and courage to be a witness of the gospel in everything that we do. Holy Spirit, Move in us in a great desire to know you better. Bring in us, Father Lord, by your grace, by your spirit, because it's not by our actions. A great conviction to live out the gospel in this world, that we would be the salt and light wherever we are placed here. We thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. 
From wherever you're listening, we hope you are blessed by this week's message. For more information, check out our website at mbkmc.com. Thank you.